What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the... You know what? <laughs> it's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hard-run pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer... To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. You heard the man. It's time for the best sports talk show on this side of Lake Erie. The best there is, was, and ever will be. When the clock strikes 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning, you know it's time for Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Logan Congrove, your favorite Baker Mayfield hater, and I am your host this week. Joining me for today's show are my analysts. First off, we have the NFL wizard and statistician, Mr. Prep, Matt Pramuka. You guys don't want to inflate my ego this much, man. This is my <laughs> third show. You don't want to see me with a bigger ego than I already have. Hey, man, you deserve it. You deserve no, it. No, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> don't inflate it now. And now, the man whose takes I truly cannot stand with the craziest opinions and sports loyalties on the airwaves, my nemesis and arch rival, Evil Mr. Murren. Jake You're Murin. talking about yourself there, Logan. Jake, man. Not it's going to be a long show for you today. Yeah, not usually on this side of the table. I'm glad to be here. Not too happy about the host, but, you know, <laughs> things are things are the way they are. I got Can't the power to much. cut your mic now. Yeah. I take the official stance of Switzerland today. I am a neutral third party. I'm just here. And that... Matt's along for the ride. It's going to be a good one here. Now that we're acquainted, let's get right into it. We're going to be discussing today. We'll kick it off with today's show with a little bit of Cleveland Browns news and other NFL action, followed by a full hour of NBA talk, recaps, and previews. And then to round out the show, we will get into some Cy Young favorites, our favorite Cleveland Guardians, MLB drama, and, of course, a little bit of normal Guardians talk, previews, recaps, and so on. But like I said, let's get it started off with a little bit of NFL talk. Last week, Colin Kaepernick worked out for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, a lot of people were surprised by that as it was kind of a random headline. What did you guys think about him getting a workout with the Raiders? Yeah, random headline is a great way to put it. I was not expecting to uh, you know, open my phone and see a Colin Kaepernick workout for the Las Vegas Raiders of all teams, but it's happening. I think Kaepernick deserves a shot in the league. I mean, at 34 years old, he's pretty much going to be a backup at this point. But, I mean, I as... We're Browns fans. We saw Nick Mullins firsthand last year. I think you you take your chances with finding an upgrade over Nick Mullins at your backup quarterback spot. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, the workout was just for a backup position to Derek Carr. Apparently, his strength and conditioning stood out in the workout, and it went positively. Um, no deal is imminent, though. And it kind of makes sense, too, because the Raiders' offensive coordinator, Mick Lombardi, was a 49ers assistant from 2013 to 2016. But Kaepernick hasn't played in the NFL since 2016, so I'm not sure what we can really expect out of him. I mean, he was a Super Bowl content, or he was a Super Bowl quarterback when he was in the league before, after all the headlines came down and stuff like that. Um, I think realistically, he could be a good backup quarterback. He has the experience, and I think, like Matt was saying earlier today before we went on air, he is 34, and as a 34-year-old in the NFL, you can't really pick and choose if you want to be a backup or a starter. But I personally think, hot take, I think there's a chance that he could be a starter at some point. Not for the Raiders, because they just paid Derek Carr right. their entire franchise. But I think maybe down the line, if the Raiders are out of it, we could see Colin Kaepernick playing in a few games. Or if the Raiders don't sign him, do you guys think that other teams were impressed by his workout? Do you think there's a chance that other teams would look into him even if the Raiders don't? You know how many times we've heard, like, Pete Carroll's going to bring in Kaepernick for a workout? Like, there's too much smoke with Seattle, I think. Like, if Kaepernick is going to get a shot in the league that's not with uh, the Raiders, it'd most likely be with Seattle. But at the same time, they've had, like, two or three workouts with him and nothing's come to fruition. So I really don't know. Yeah, I could see him getting some more workouts. And you don't just get a player with Colin Kaepernick. You get everything that Colin Kaepernick represents, which, regardless of your opinion on it, uh, it could be appealing to a, or for a team to sign Colin Kaepernick um, at this point. And for the Raiders, who have had some controversies in the past, I could see that making sense. Um, but if it doesn't work out there, I could definitely see him getting some workouts other places. Whether he gets signed, though, I mean, he's old, hasn't played for a couple of years. I don't know what we can expect. I don't think he's going to be a starter in the NFL, like you said, Logan. Um, but we'll see what's next for Colin Kaepernick. We definitely will see. Hopefully, I think, I hope he does get signed. I think that... It's a long time coming, and he could definitely be a decent backup quarterback somewhere in this league. Moving on, though, LaShawn McCoy is back in the news for the first time since, like, 2011. <laughs> and his comments on Eric Bieniemy raised some eyebrows, and Andy Ritchie's response also raised some eyebrows. LaShawn McCoy was quoted in an interview with SiriusXM saying, Eric Bieniemy's certain way of speaking to players is to blame for him not receiving a head coaching opportunity year after year. McCoy went on to say that everybody looks at him as a candidate until they see what type of coach he is. What do you guys make of that? Because it does seem like Biennemi is always in the coaching rumors and never seems to get an actual head coaching job. Yeah, some interesting words there from McCoy. And I honestly compare this to a UFC fighter. Um, everybody knows I'm a big UFC fan. And you have your guys in the UFC who are yes-men and who have already received a lot of greatness, whether that be... Uh, money or whether that be actual fame and greatness inside the cage. Um, just to use a name that everybody knows, Conor McGregor, obviously he was great in the UFC now with a couple injuries and losses, and he's known as a yes man. So what that means is his coaches, he pretty much dictates what workouts he's going to do. He's going to make his own training camp, and his coaches are just going to say yes to that. Uh, rather than it being the opposite, which is what it should be, the coach is saying, hey, this is your training camp. This is the activities you're going to do. This is how many sparring rounds you're going to do. And we're going to get you prepared for the fight. 
Right now, Conor McGregor is kind of in that stage where he's just making his own training camp and being the boss when he really shouldn't be. And that's kind of what I see right here with LaShawn McCoy. Um, obviously, he was a former great player in the NFL. In his time in KC, he was kind of past his prime a little bit. And rather than taking the words from Eric Bieniemy and using those words to get better on the field, he wanted to do his own drills. He wanted to do his own stuff during practice, his own stuff during games. And like Andy Reid said in response, you know, some people want to hear that from their head coaches or offensive coordinators, and some people don't. And LaShawn McCoy should have just been a player listening to his coach and trying to get better rather than being like a Conor McGregor trying to make his own plans. I'm going to completely disagree on that. I'm going to completely disagree on that. You're in the NFL. You don't have to go out to players and speaking to them like you, like, I, I don't know how to phrase this without saying words that would get me fired. Uh, you don't, like, you don't have to go on there and be this authoritative figure. You're in the National Football League. Everyone's going to respect you. Like, at a certain level of football, this whole, like, tough guy, like, everyone listen to me, coach, that stuff gets old. And, exp- and you, Jake, you talk about it. Yes, man. I mean, Eric Bieniemy is the epitome. He's Andy Reid's yes, man. He doesn't call plays. Like Andy, like he, Eric Bieniemy gets asked like ten questions a week when they're game planning. Like, what do you think of this A, B, and C? And he basically just agrees with what Andy Reid says. Like, and I think Eric Bieniemy, it's kind of a power struggle within the organization and with himself, where he he needs to tell himself that you have power, because I think he's insecure that people realize he really doesn't do anything in that organization, and so he has to take that out on players that are deeper on the depth chart than others. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So Andy Reid followed up LaShawn McCoy's comments via an article with CBS Sports saying, sometimes it's hard on a veteran player, Reid said of McCoy's criticism. Maybe their performance level isn't what it used to be, and it's hard to take sometimes, but the enemy is going to push you to try to maximize what you've got, and that's one of his strengths. He'll come in and shoot you straight. Sometimes you want to hear it, sometimes you don't. What do you guys make of Andy Reid's response? Yeah, so like I said, I think... Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy here is completely justified. I think that hard and tough coach is what some players need in the NFL. Sure, that might not work with LaShawn McCoy, but at the same time, I think Eric Bieniemy does have a bigger role in KC than you made it uh, out to be, Matt. But yeah, I think he should have just respected Eric Bieniemy, his words, and gotten better as a player and listened to those words rather than um, combat him. And really, he's the only person that has said something negative about Eric Bieniemy could it be a reason why he hasn't gotten a head coach offer potentially but you know Casey has had success and their offense especially has had success and I think a lot of that has to do with Eric Bieniemy and for him not to be head coach yet is shocking and for these words from LaShawn McCoy is also surprising no you don't talk to a veteran player like that you don't go to some LaShawn McCoy's been you don't in the, talk to your offensive coordinator like LaShawn that. McCoy, that's LaShawn McCoy's been in the league longer than Bianami has been a position coach McCoy's seen more football than Bianami has like that's that's why he's not going to get a head coaching offer because when you can go up to a guy that's seen more football than you and just frankly tell them you're wrong without warrant that's not going to rub players the right way like what like Hypothetically, he came into Cleveland and he just said something completely outlandish to Miles Garrett. What would you say to that? I think Miles Garrett would respect his coaches and his Miles authorities. Garrett calls right. out Joe Woods in October press conferences. Don't give me that. I think you have to respect your coaches, regardless of what team and regardless of who your coordinators are. So I don't know about that. And plus, like, you're debating the football mind of Eric Bieniemy here. And I don't think that's fair either. 
Obviously, Kansas City, maybe the best offense in the league. You got to kind of put respect on them. A but little you've got to realize when you're a coach, you don't have like people don't have to obey you at this point in the league. It, it, this it's a collaborative effort when you get to the NFL. It's not like high yeah. school where you're like you're doing this. It's like well, you know, players see something they they recommend suggestions. If you if you're an offensive coordinator and you shoot those down from someone on the field, that's you're hurting yourself. But for a guy yeah. like Lashawn McCoy, he's so like third tier now that I would listen to whatever the coach tells me so I could get back on the field. He's not getting on. You get better. Like, right. That's why I like my Conor McGregor comparison. Because right now, Conor McGregor is not that guy that he used to be. And the same goes for LaShawn McCoy. He is not the guy that he used to be when he was with KC. So what, what, it, what does the caliber of player have to do? If you're a man and you feel someone's disrespecting you, you call that out. Like, it doesn't matter if he's past his prime. You should at least be spoken to the way that you and, feel you should be spoken and to. And to be fair, we don't know exactly what was said. Right. You know, just LaShawn McCoy came out and saying that, the way he was talking to him wasn't right. No other player has come out and said anything about it. And McCoy didn't get in detail about exactly what was said and the manner of which it was said. Oh, there's rumblings. And all the details. There's rumblings with the enemy. He's he's not this he's not this most he's not this beloved guy in KC. I can promise you that. I did just see a report as I was reading the article about LaShawn McCoy that Eric Bienemy's future in Kansas City is not yet determined and he's set to meet with Andy Reid to discuss what the future is going to look like. Do you think that they continue with him as offensive coordinator, especially after LaShawn McCoy's comments, or do you think that he will set on on his own, go to try to be an associate head coach or or another offensive coordinator somewhere else? LaShawn McCoy's comments don't matter. What matters is the success of the Kansas City Chiefs that they've had with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, and that's all that matters. They'll keep him. I, I thought after the AFC Championship, I thought his contract was up after this year, and then it was a long waiting period to see if they were going to bring him back. I thought that's how that was playing out. Like, he's not beloved. And when you're looking for a coach, you need, like, players have to respect you. Players don't go it. What makes you think they don't respect him just based off of one disgruntled veteran's no, comments? No, I'm not, I'm not saying, like, players don't respect him, but I'm saying if you want to be a coach in this league, players have to respect you. You can't go to players and just belittle them and expect them to still respect you because this isn't youth football anymore. Like you can challenge, like you're supposed like challenge the figures around you. Like if they're doing something wrong, you see players call the call coaches out all the time across the league. So you think, so you think that after winning a Super Bowl, say we were to go up to Patrick Mahomes and ask his opinion on Eric Bieniemy, you think that it would be a negative opinion? I don't think really uh, after a Super Bowl win, no, but at the same time, like he's not calling plays. He's not game planning. Andy Reid's been crafting this offense since the 1970s. All of all of Andy Reid's offensive coordinators have fallen flat on their face as soon as they get head coaching jobs, and Matt Nagy's the most recent example. Like Andy Reid doesn't need Bianami to be successful. Bianami needs Andy Reid. That does make sense. I'll give you that one. Where do you lie on this, Logan? I personally think that Bianami's a huge part of the Chiefs' success. I'm going to have to disagree with Matt and, believe it or not, agree <laughs> with Jake. Wow. Even on it's the other un- side of the mic, wow. I know. I'm going to agree feeling. with Jake. It's an uncomfortable feeling you agreeing with me, Logan, but uh-huh. I can't. I don't hate it right now. It won't last, man. We'll get there. <laughs> but I, I do think that as a successful franchise, you do have to have a successful and respected coaching staff and I think the enemy being the offensive coordinator who has a Super Bowl win with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs is a huge part of that success I think that a guy like LaShawn McCoy just was so used to being that guy 
for most of his career that when he got to Kansas City and he's behind guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I just think that he wasn't able to really take new coaching. And that's I see where Matt's coming from in that aspect. I think it's definitely hard for a veteran, an established veteran, to take new coaching. And like Matt said, we don't we don't know exactly what was said, but I definitely stand with the fact that I think Eric Bieniemy is a huge part of the Chiefs' success. Well, here's the thing, though. McCoy's played with Andy Reid in the past. They were together in Philadelphia for years. Right. Like, LaShawn McCoy knows Andy Reid's offenses, and he knows what's needed out of him. Like, you don't have to tell LaShawn McCoy what to do. Yet, like, he, like, he knows. Right. He's been in that, like, he's played for Andy Reid before he even hired you. Do you think it's the same exact offense that he's played forever? Or you think it's like... I mean, Andy Reid was at BYU, and they created the spread offense. I mean, like, it, like... There, there is a great YouTube video out there by Brett Coleman where he goes, like, it's this 45-minute video where he does the origins of the spread offense. And Andy Reid was on the team where it originated. So, I mean, like, him, like, Urban Meyer and Steve Young are, like, the three pillars of the spread. So, like, when you say, has Andy Reid been running that offense, like, his entire time? Like, I'm not trying to be smart here and, like, scapegoat. Like, yes, he has been crafting that forever. Absolutely. We're going to move on to the next topic. We have Antonio Brown back in the headlines for the NFL, everybody's favorite disgruntled athlete. During an interview, he is currently playing with the fan-controlled football league, which I'm sure you've heard all about. If not, it is a league where fans can buy in and call the plays for the players on the field. There's guys like Johnny Manziel playing. Terrell Owens came out of retirement to play. Michael Vick came out of retirement to play. And Antonio Brown is the most recent addition to that league. And during an interview with the Fan Controlled Football League, he said he will not be playing in the NFL next season. And his exact comment was, nah, don't play yourself looking at me to play. What do you make of Antonio Brown's comments about the NFL? Do you think that he'll stick to them? Or do you think that he is still extremely disgruntled with the league? I mean, first off, the fan-controlled league is absolute rubbish. Um, <laughs> any league that rubbish. has Johnny Manziel in it is just not a good league. I'm sorry. I, I just like can't Manziel. stand that. I'm John, sorry, John, but I do like Manziel. House. Okay, I'm not going to get into it with you, Logan, <laughs> but how do you like Johnny Manziel as a Browns fan, but you don't like Baker Mayfield? Just things don't add up with me. I just think that he was a fun dude to watch, and it brought some funny yeah, headlines for yeah. a while. Yeah, you had fun during by, those by, times? By fun in the headlines, do you mean like Billy Manziel and Vegas? That cracked me up. You had, that cracked you had me up. fun he as wore, a Browns fan no, during the Johnny I had Manziel fun era. as a Johnny Manziel fan. Oh, he wore a fake mustache this has, to Vegas. This has nothing to do with what we're talking no, about. No. And we could go on for days about Johnny Manziel. But I'll let you get back to your, to your take, Jake. I'm sorry. Antonio Brown. Um, <laughs> well, the, the fan-controlled league is terrible, whatever. Uh, Antonio Brown, though... Um, Honestly, he should just not be employed by an NFL team ever again for what he did uh, with Tampa. But I was kind of hoping he would come back for the Ravens or Steelers and kind of just throw those locker rooms for a bit of a twist. But I'm, I, I don't know. I guess I'm happy he's not coming back. I wish he would have done a little bit to a Steelers or Ravens locker room. But Antonio Brown, if he never comes back to the NFL, I don't think anybody would complain. You know how I think A.B. gets back in the league? Not as a player. I remember in March, there were rumblings before the Denver Broncos sold that Antonio Brown and Kanye West were looking to buy an NFL franchise. And with Dan Schneider potentially being kicked out of Washington, we could see Kanye West and Antonio Brown 
as the owner of the Washington Commanders. Wow. That is the only way I see Antonio Brown getting back into the NFL. It's the worst thing I've ever heard. Can you imagine that, though? Kanye and AB. I think that would make the league fun. In D.C. Even more fun than in it already is. D.C. Kanye did say he wanted to make his way to D.C. He just didn't say how. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would terrible. also, once again, agree with both of you, which means I am going to agree with evil Jake Murray once again. Wow. What can I, I say? My takes are good, man. They are not, but this one is okay, I guess. I do think that Antonio Brown should not have the privilege of being employed by an NFL franchise ever again after that blasphemous exit from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that if you're going to be in a position where you're getting paid millions of dollars to play a game, you should really take advantage of that because there's people out there that are not making that kind of money. They have jobs they don't like, and your one job is to be a football player. I don't care what was said to you. I don't care... What's going on with you? I mean, obviously <laughs> that was a little Just that was go, a little harsh, but go, like suck it up and go to work. But like you're playing football. As an NFL athlete, you it's a privilege to be in the league. There's a lot of guys that want, would love to be in the NFL and don't make it. College athletes that get cut, college athletes that can't get off the practice squad or dudes that end up in the fan-controlled football league. But I think it is a huge privilege and Antonio Brown blew it more than once with the Raiders and then extremely blew it with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially with a guy like Tom Brady as your quarterback. It cannot be that hard to be a wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But moving on, our next topic is the unfortunate Pittsburgh Steelers. I am not a Steelers fan. I know Jake is not a Steelers fan. Matt, I'm not. What is? Are you a Browns fan? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I am embarrassed you even had to ask that. Yes. I, I wasn't ins- sure, but I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Actually. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. I feel really insulted, actually. I apologize, Matt, but it's wow. a good thing that you're on our side for this because wow. nobody likes the Steelers, but we are going to have to talk about them. New Steelers quarterback Mitch Trubisky told Sports Illustrated that the Steelers did not inform him they were taking a quarterback. What do you think? This does to Mitch Trubisky as the potential starter for the Steelers, and you think that Kenny Pickett is their QB one because he is listed as QB three right now. Which, if they learned anything from the Browns with Baker, Baker Mayfield, I guess, then that may not be the best move. So I'll pose you guys this question: Did the Steelers have to tell Mitch Trubisky that they were drafting a quarterback? I don't think so. I don't, like, I don't think Mike Tomlin knew they were taking a quarterback. Why? It doesn't matter. They did, he did not have to know. And He's it not was, the guaranteed starter, so why does exactly. he have to know that? He didn't have to know. If it was... I'll, sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. If it was Ben Roethlisberger, yes, I would expect them right. to inform them that they're taking quarterback. For sure. They didn't ben Roethlisberger, if he wasn't retiring, if he was still like the solidified starting quarterback. For sure. Like, I think there's... They should have told Aaron Rodgers they were taking Jordan Love. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. But when you're a guy that just signed with the Steelers and aren't even the solidified starter, no. Right. Plus, it was like projected in the news for a while that the Steelers were considering taking a QB in the first round. So like, if Mitch Trubisky is even paying attention to the news at all, he would have realized that, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the team I play for might draft a QB is what it is. But at the end of the day what you do in training camp, what you do in the preseason, that's going to determine who you are as a player and if you get that week one start. In defense of Mitch Trubisky's ignorance here, did you guys see this year's quarterback class? Like, it's awful. Like, it is pretty bad. Bad. 
terrible. In my opinion, terrible. the best quarterback in the class went in the third round. Like if I like if I'm Mitch Trubisky, I don't even feel threatened by Kenny Pickett. Like, gosh, like that draft is awful. I don't know. Why Mitch Trubisky's pretty bad. I don't. I don't. I don't see how you could get any worse than Kenny Pickett. The QB room for the Steelers is pretty bad. That's yeah. true. And I couldn't be happier about no, it. Don't say that. They'll still sweep us this year. That's how this goes. Oh no 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 no. Look at look at this, Jake. I like this. We're on the same page for everything so far. It's okay. It's so sad that that is not going to last. But yeah, it's we'll we'll remember this forever. But why? What makes you say that the Steelers are going to sweep us? That's how it always goes. Mike Tomlin's never lost more than eight games in a season. So, ev- like, I'm not trying to like pin this on Baker, but since like the Browns had like Baker, and we had like this feeling that we were going to be good, we're always like, "Oh, this is our year. We're going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers twice," and then we don't. But this team is so much more equipped. To how beat them long twice. have we been? And saying I'm not that? even. I'm not even referring to Deshaun Watson at quarterback. We have a much better wide receiver room. We have a much. We have Kareem we Hunt, have Nick Chubb, drafted Jerome Ford. Yeah, Amari Cooper makes them immediately better, and Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to break out this oh, season. Boy. I'll just add this. The Browns got better this offseason, and the Steelers got worse. Yes. And I agree with you, Matt. Like, every single year we go into it like, oh, the Browns are so good, we're going to sweep the Steelers, and then we never do. I think in those offseasons, sure, the Browns have gotten better in those offseasons in the past, but I don't know if the Steelers have ever gotten worse, or at least to this extent. So right now, the Steelers getting this worse and the Browns getting that much better. I could see the Browns sweeping the Steelers, even though I predicted them to lose to the Steelers, I think, in week three or four um, in that primetime game because I don't think Watson's going to play. So I do have us dropping that first game going 1-1, but I don't see why we couldn't sweep the Steelers. We'll just have to see what happens. I will believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. You almost sound like you don't want it. No, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to predict it. Like, I mean, that's it, it's, it's, it hasn't happened. Just get excited about the possibility. No, I've done that the past, like, five years, oh, and boy. I've been heartbroken every single hey, time. Optimism of a Browns fan is the best thing in the world. I can no longer be hurt by this team. There's no fan. Oh, like I wouldn't Browns say that, fan. Matt. Oh, There's God. always a way the Cleveland Browns can hurt you. I've gone numb. You sound excited about that, too. No, I'm just saying every year there's always some way they can hurt you. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a Browns thing. Yeah. However, posing the question... Do you think that the Steelers end up with Mitch Trubisky at one or Kenny Pickett, and why? So I have Trubisky starting week one since he's the most proven player in a bad QB room for the Steelers, but I do have Kenny Pickett starting week 18. So sometime during the regular season, I think Pickett will come in and take over the starting role, for better or for worse, maybe injuries involved as well. But week one, I do have Trubisky taking it over. Yeah, I'm going to have Mitch starting this year, but what I really want to see and just on like a cruel psychological level, I want the Pittsburgh Steelers to start off the season around 500. And like Mitch Trubisky shows clear limitations. Like, you know, there's some plays that like if he made, their season would be completely different. And so they're going to pull the trigger on Kenny Pickett. And Kenny Pickett's going to come out like week seven, week eight, and he's going to fall flat on his face. And I want to see Pittsburgh demoralized. Like, Kenny Pickett comes out and their season just implodes. That's what I want to see. I would agree. I think that Mitch Trubisky will start at week one. I wouldn't say they wait until week 18 to start Kenny Pickett, but I do see Kenny Pickett as a starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers at some point this season. And I would agree with Matt. I would love to see the Pittsburgh Steelers fall flat on their face so guys like Pat Weber never speak about how good the Steelers are 
ever again. Money Mitch. Money Mitch. Oh, boy. Pat, man, that's, that is an outlandish take, but we still like you, man. Appreciate you. But now is going to be a good time for us to go into our first break. When we come back, we will get into a little bit of Cleveland Browns talk, which is where the agreements between me and evil Mr. Marin are probably going to end. So stick with us right here on 88.1 Sports Power Talk. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk. I am your host, Logan Congrove. Joining me again are my analysts, Matt Permuka. How we doing, folks? And, of course, evil Mr. Jake Murren. What's going on, everyone? So far, we've been doing good, Jake, but... Yeah, that's going to stop I'm assuming that's going to end right here as we get into a little bit of Cleveland Browns talk. And then we'll be segueing into the NBA and the conference finals, what is ahead. But to start off... This news actually broke probably about 30 minutes after we got off of the air last week. But Jadavian Clowney is finally back in a Cleveland Browns uniform. Very excited about that. And he has already made comments that he sees Super Bowl aspirations for the Cleveland Browns. How excited are you guys are that Jadavian Clowney is back on the Cleveland Browns roster? Our run defense isn't going to be like a stab wound anymore. I'm so excited. We can defend the run again. I can have optimism about the defense now. I'm so excited. I was first annoyed because it did break like half an hour after SBT last Sunday. I was driving home and I got home and then you guys are blowing up the chat that he returned to the Browns. And yeah, we just never get breaking news on the show for whatever reason. But no, I do. I do like the uh, the signing. Uh, it's one year, $11 million. Uh, he did turn down 14 to $15 million from other teams on multi-year deals. Recorded nine sacks, 37 tackles, 11 w- for which... Uh, were for loss and two forced fumbles in 14 games with his first season with the Browns. And it was reported that Sean Watson was a part of the reason why Clowney came back. So you love to see that just in terms of team and chemistry building. Obviously, the player uh, speaks for himself and him alongside Miles Garrett on the line. We saw it last year, and we're going to see it this year, which is a good thing. You probably saw the Bahamas trip, but it's like, man, just imagine the celebration after we get a ring. That's true. Uh, how much money is Watson going to spend then? Deshaun Watson's got a lot of money to be spending. He's, he got, did, he's got a quarter billion in the bank. He can fork up the bill. He definitely could. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm really excited that Jadavian Clowney is back on the Browns. I think he was more important of a signing than anybody else. As much as I wanted Jarvis Landry back, and I know that Jake did as well. I'm sure you did too, Matt. Yeah, I could take it or leave it. That's Yeah, I think... Jarvis Landry's a great guy, but I just don't think he's as important to the Cleveland Browns as Jadavian Clowney is. And I think Jadavian Clowney makes much more of an impact on our franchise than Jarvis Landry does. But now, Jake, this is where it's going to stop. Or actually, just kidding. I'll wait. I'll wait on that. We'll keep it a little bit longer. The other extension that Cleveland Browns finally finalized is David Njoku. And I want to start with Matt on this one because Matt had a very strong reaction to the David Njoku extension in our group chat. So I'll start with you, Matt. What do you make of Njoku's extension with the Browns? All right. Well, for me, I'm out of the honeymoon phase with Andrew Barry as our GM. I'm out of the honeymoon phase with him. I'm I'm going to begin to criticize some of this stuff. In this offseason, it's where it starts. This offseason alone, he's given out $300 million in guarantees. Now, 230 of that's all on one player. And all of his contracts keep being backloaded until 2024. 
and we are going to enter salary cap you know where. So as long with with this Najoku thing, you're paying David Najoku $28 million guaranteed. Up to 56 total, right? 56 million total? Yes. You're paying this man who's never had more than 600 yards in a season. But he's never had a quarterback that didn't get him more He's than being that. paid as a wide receiver, too. No, quite literally, as a wide receiver, too. Amari Cooper's making $15 million this year. Najoku's making 14 point something. Stefanski's very tight end oriented, though. But at the same time, you're, you're paying him off of what you project him to do, and you don't pay for an idea. When you're going to a restaurant, you don't you don't get the bill right away saying, I think I'm going to have a meal worth blank amount of dollars. You don't pay for an idea. And like tight ends in the league are historic, like are historically like late bloomers. I think Travis Kelsey's first 1000 yard season wasn't until he was 27. Mark Andrews was 25, 26. And today, uh, David Njoku is going to turn 26 before the season starts. But you just you don't pay elite money for someone that you project to be elite. You, you don't pay for an idea. You pay for results. I know Jake's got an opinion over there to combat that. I'm actually not going to combat it because really? I more or less agree. Um, one stat that really doesn't sit well with me is that the Browns are now the only team in the NFL that have a QB, running back, wide receiver, and tight end that all rank in the top seven at their position in guaranteed money. Um, everything that you said, Matt, with our contracts and guarantees that we're giving out this offseason – while, yes, we're getting great players for a couple of years, it's not going to put us in a great position in terms of our salary cap. And last season, Njoku, 36 catches on 53 targets, 475 yards, and four touchdowns. He had some great games. I know the Chargers game kind of sticks out to me with David Njoku, but other than that, he was kind of hit or miss. Um, I know you can put that on QB play, and with a better QB in Deshaun Watson, it could and should elevate the wide receivers and tight ends around him. Like you said, Logan, uh, Kevin Stefanski is a tight end-oriented coach and um, offensive mind. So I could see it working, and I could see David Njoku being an elite tight end in the future. So I think he's worth being the fourth-highest-paid tight end in the league. No. And with all the other money and um, contracts we're giving out this offseason, I think we could have waited on this deal and what bothers me most is that he was already franchise tagged. We already had him going into next season. Uh, sure, concern comes up when if he has a great season, then he might want more money. But we already had him franchise tagged, and I would have preferred to use that money maybe on like a one-year minimum deal for like a Will Fuller type of guy. But instead, we give this huge contract to David Njoku, and I agree with Matt. You don't pay for what you think is going to happen. You pay for what you see. I saw a tweet saying this is the Christian Kirk contract of tight ends. That makes total it sense. It does make sense. Yep. And as much as I like David Njoku, I liked him coming out of college because, you know, he's from Miami. But I think that it's just a little bit of a reach. I, I don't think he's been utilized. And we have to remember, like, just about probably a calendar year ago, this dude was requesting trades out of Cleveland. I think two years ago at this point. Like two, yeah, yeah, two yeah. years ago, the fan base wanted this guy run out of town. Oh, yeah. There was and nobody now, like, that wanted him around. And, like, you go on, like, Twitter on Friday night after the news broke, and these guys are rejoicing. Like, like, like you hated the guy two years ago. And, like, right. as soon as someone, like, put a, tw- put a tweet out, like, saying, like, oh, that's a lot of money. Like, all of a sudden, they're just getting ratioed. It's like, it's it's a valid criticism. It's a valid criticism. I think that the Browns definitely need to be a little more careful with their money. 
obviously nothing we can do about it now. David Njoku is going to be back with the Cleveland Browns, and I hope that contract plays out well for the franchise. Moving on, there is a guy still on our roster that I personally cannot stand, and lots of news about him recently, and that is Baker Baker interception maker. Baker Mayfield and the Panthers. The Panthers have been notably interested in Baker Mayfield for a little bit more than any other team, I would say. There's been other teams in the mix, but the Panthers wanted the Cleveland Browns to pay at least six to seven million dollars of Baker Mayfield's salary in order for them to take him. I think I do not like Baker Mayfield, but I think the Browns are better off keeping him on our roster until some team gets desperate enough to pick him up. Do you guys think that the Panthers overplayed their hand? Because we talk a lot about the Browns overplaying their hand with their handling of Baker Mayfield. But I think personally, I think that the Panthers overplayed their hand as well by saying that to the Browns. What are your guys' thoughts? Oh, oh, I was going to give the floor to Jake. But I was, all right, with the whole Baker Mayfield Carolina thing, if you can't move over half of Baker's contract, why even do it? Why are you paying someone, like, why are you paying for someone else's starting quarterback? And if I'm Baker Mayfield, do I even want to go to Carolina? Would I rather just sit out this year, rehab, get in the best shape of my life, and then go maybe look at, like, Tampa Bay or Miami, assuming they move off of Tua, like, weigh my options, fully healthy, in great shape, or do I want to go on a one-year prove-it deal to the most one of the most dysfunctional teams in the league and maybe win five, six, no more than seven games? What would be better for you as Baker Mayfield in that situation? And that's what I'm interpreting this as. Jake, we're going to toss it to you, Mr. Baker lover, for yeah. no reason. I'm going to pretend the the interception maker comment didn't happen here. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I like what Matt said. Um, honestly, it makes sense for him to go down that path and get on a better team where he can have more success. I don't love what the Panthers are running with right now, and I do think they are one of the more dysfunctional teams in the league. Um, and I saw that the Panthers had interest, but they wanted the Browns to take on roughly like thirteen to fourteen million dollars of his guaranteed money. Oh wow! So even then it more, went up. yeah, even more than what you said, Logan. Um, but it came out this morning that teams want to pay um, only five to six million dollars of the salary, whereas the Browns might only be willing to pay about half of that. So we'll see what exactly happens. Right now, I think Baker could be anywhere. Week one, uh, I doubt it will be with the Browns. Uh, I say he'd go to the Panthers since they're the only team that has come out and said that they are interested in him and have inquired uh, to the Browns about him. Uh, I'm not sure where he goes. I hope it's somewhere good, so probably not the Panthers. Maybe a team like the Buccaneers does make sense, but yeah, Baker Mayfield hopefully gets his money, gets somewhere good, and he can play good. Man, I don't care where he goes. I'm just glad he's not under center for my team anymore. Can't watch that ever again. I'm not going to let it get to me, Logan. Oh, okay. Not going to let it get to me today. It's getting to you, I can tell. No, 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 no. But I think that Baker Mayfield will still be on the Browns bench at the beginning of the season, whether that's on the practice squad or just not playing. I think the Browns will realize that some team down the line will be desperate enough to pick up the most overrated and over-fantasized starting quarterback in the NFL. 
Everybody seems to Says the Johnny Manziel fan. Man, everybody just has these aspirations for Baker Mayfield. Like, he's some godly football player. He's not. He has to be the underdog, yet, like, he was the first overall pick. Like, he could only perform when he is the most underwhelming first overall pick in recent years. Oh, wow. That's no. In my opinion. Have you seen the 2013 draft? I just think. Have you Since he was on my team and I actually paid attention to it. Have you seen the 2016 draft? Man. I've seen a lot, but I've also seen Baker Mayfield do nothing now, for our team. Another <laughs> another ba- another nothing. Baker Mayfield question here. All right, so you know his commercial line, you know it's called at home with Baker Mayfield. If Baker Mayfield is literally spending this season at home, do his commercials come out and it's just him at his actual house? <laughs> like do we get like, actually at I think home he, and uh, with Baker Mayfield and he's like watching football? He's like, got to make sure he gives the garage code to Deshaun Watson for those commercials. I don't know if people would want to put Deshaun Watson on TV any more than they I, have to right now. I would, I would agree. I think yeah. that – I do think – I've noticed – I've been going to, like, sports stores looking for jerseys and stuff like that. I don't know if you guys have been out lately, and I've noticed that nobody is selling Deshaun Watson jerseys. They're only selling, like, Amari Cooper, even Peoples-Jones. So that tells me that media and marketing, they are being careful with – what they do with Deshaun Watson at this point, which makes total sense. Oh, yeah. As they should be. Because normally, the starting quarterback's jersey is the first one you see everywhere. So the fact that it's still being kind of processed, I get that I get where the media and all them are coming from being careful with what they do. I I could see him being number one in jersey sales if it weren't for the off-field problems. but. Well, if it wasn't for the off-field problems, would he? He'd be. If it wasn't for the off-field problems, he'd be in Miami. Miami. I think a, he'd be in Houston. No, Miami had a trade with him last year because Deshaun Watson requested a trade before all of this stuff broke out. Deshaun Watson requested a trade before that, and last year Miami had a trade in place, but they wanted Watson to settle all of his uh, cases, and he wasn't able to do that in enough time before the trade deadline. So, if it wasn't for that, Deshaun Watson would be a Miami Dolphin. I could see that. Maybe well. even a Texan? No, he wouldn't be a mm-hmm. Texan. He requested a trade well before any of this happened. I think if all that never happened, I think that he would have never not been the starting quarterback for the for the Texans. I think he would have been consistently playing, and I think the Texans would have been better than what they have been, although everybody up here seems to think that Davis Mills is the next Tom Brady. No. Me I'm, and Jake... Yeah, not we're kind of there, Matt. Do you think he's the next Tom Brady? I've I never really, gotten your opinion on I it. I don't get or this whole like Davis Mills hype. It's a comes total. From, it's a total. I know WZI it's, a, I know it's much, like a joke. Pretty much like, Dan Groen. Yes. Yeah. Dan, if you're listening, uh, that's an odd take. The Tyrod Taylor effects that before it even hit the media, it hit Dan Groen's mind did. first. And I will give you that, Dan, if you're listening. Good job. That's what an Akron education gets. Absolutely. Right That's what Make sure Akron. you apply to the University of Akron. If free, you're a, free promo for the yeah. university I attend. Just a kid from Akron. Just a kid from Akron. You know, you could be the next zip. So realistically for the Cleveland Browns going into next season, I know we touched on it a little bit. What are your expectations for the season? Not even necessarily record-wise, but what do you think their ceiling is and what's their floor? They've clearly, they're clearly in win-now mode even though they might be without Watson for a chunk of the regular season. They're giving out huge contracts to players that are going to hurt more in the next couple of years when it comes to balancing talent across the field. Um, I predicted the Browns to go 10-7 and a couple weeks ago without any news to the suspension of Deshaun Watson. I'll just kind of leave them there at 10-7 and right now. 
Um, I'm, their ceiling is a lot higher than 10 and 7, depending on the Watson suspension. And their floor could be potentially lower than 10 and 7, depending on the, that suspension as well. But really, the sky is the limit, and the sky is a Super Bowl. So we'll see what happens. Do I have to answer this before like the Deshaun Watson news comes out? Right. Like, do it, I have it's to? Tough. Do it's, I it's have tough. to give a number? Like, give give me a scenario. Like, give me like okay. A hypothetical. So let Watson me give you this hypothetical. Four to eight. I think four to eight is the most. Yes. Can, say can, so. Let's say take, Watson misses take, four. Okay. Watson misses four. What's your record prediction? Misses, Watson misses eight. What's your record prediction? He misses four. Twelve and five. He okay. misses eight, ten and seven. I would agree with that. I think I do think that Jacoby Brissett is a serviceable quarterback to win us a few games. Obviously yeah. he's not Deshaun Watson. But we've had serviceable the past four years. And Wrong. look where, and look where that led us mentally. Wrong. He was bad. He still got us to the playoff. Like Baker See, Mayfield. he said it. He was bad. That's all I wanted to hear. Good job, Matt. <laughs> Baker Mayfield wasn't <laughs> Baker Mayfield. He wasn't pulling you there, but he also wasn't a dead weight. He was like a sidecar. You like you know on motorcycle. He's, he was a sidecar. He was along for the ride. I I will admit to you guys, he I don't like him. I do think he's bad, but it definitely could have been worse. I will finally say that to you, Jake. It could have been worse. That makes me feel no better. Good, <laughs> but it could have been worse. That's I'll give you that. So we're finally going to segue away from the NBA, into the NBA, I apologize. And we're going to start by recapping the conference final games thus far with the Western Conference coming in first. Obviously, the Warriors won that series 4-1. to one. What are your guys' thoughts on that series? And do you think that the Warriors are currently the championship favorite? Get Luka Doncic some help. Absolutely. Please get my man some help, man. From one Slovak to another... He needs help. I did like Jalen Brunson's play. Like, obviously, he's no, not Brun- your second player. But. Right. Like, Brunson's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but you can't expect Luka Doncic to go basically one-on-three with the Golden State Warriors core and expect anything else, especially coming out, coming off of a seven-game series. You get him some help, please. Mark Cuban, I know you're not listening, but like I and I know you know this, but help Luca get him a rim protector, get him a big man, please. Yeah, I can't agree more with that. Um, you know, Dorian Finney Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Jalen Brunson isn't going to get the job done. These guys can be great role players for the team, but they need to add more star power to the lineup and potentially add some great defensive players as well. That big man, like you said, Matt surely would do some greatness or great things for the Mavericks. I think so as well. I think that everybody expected the Golden State Warriors to win that series. Honestly, I thought maybe the Mavericks would get more games than that, but it definitely has become very evident that Luka Doncic is by himself in Dallas, and that's sad because I think Luka is the future of the NBA or at least a part of the future of the NBA. And in order to be the future of the NBA, you have to have assets on your team that can get you to that level because he's playing lights out right now with no help imagine as like matt said imagine they get him a rim protector what does luca look like in the future and i think if they can do that for him the dallas mavericks have a very bright future on the other end of that series what do you guys think about the golden state warriors and maybe even the emergence of andrew wiggins as Cavs fans i know it that trade in my opinion was probably the most even trade of all time because for a while there Andrew Wiggins was not good, and he's finally starting to like reach his potential, and we still have Kevin Love on our team. But what do you guys think about the Golden State Warriors and 
the emergence of Andrew Wiggins as a star player? So I have been wrong time and time again about the Eastern Conference this year, but I predicted the Warriors to win it all the second the playoffs started. And regardless of what team comes out of the East, I still have the Warriors winning their fourth title in eight years. It does pain me to say that as a Cavs fan, but they're just too good right now with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins emerging, like you said. Even Kevon Looney playing really well right now. And Jordan Poole coming off the bench. He's a really great asset as well. This team is just unstoppable right now. We saw it against the Mavs, and we're going to see it, whether that's against the Celtics or the Heat in the finals. Just give them the Larry O'Brien right now. Like, and like, I don't hate the Golden State Warriors. Like, I know as a Cavs fan, like, that might be blasphemous. I, I, I don't mind them. I actually kind of like watching Steph. I kind of like watching Clay Thompson. Just seeing Andrew Wiggins succeed right now is so, like, just so wholesome. He's, his career is aging like a fine wine. Like, patience is a virtue with some guys. Like, uh, you know, there are other people in his draft class that came out and they were impact players right away. But, you know, Andrew, like, Andrew Wiggins finally coming into his own. Happy to see him succeed. And I don't hate to see Golden State win another ring. I, I don't. I do hate to see Golden State win another ring. And as I've predicted time and time again, they're not going to beat the Miami Heat. But we'll stick with the Western Conference for a second. I think I agree that Andrew Wiggins becoming a good player is very – it's nice to watch. I've always liked him. I was kind of sad when we traded him away originally. Obviously, Kevin Love worked out for us. But I always – I've been a Wiggins fan. I like Wiggins. And I would also agree with you, Matt, that – I have grown to respect Steph Curry a little bit more than when he was constantly beating the Cavs. I think that he is an eccentric player to watch, and you kind you just have to respect it. I also would agree with Jake that I definitely predicted that the Warriors would come out of the Western Conference no matter what, but I don't see them winning the NBA championship. I do see them losing to my Miami Heat. Oh, as we're I mean, not there yet, but I do think we'll get into it. Get there. Okay. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. But you know, what we're talking about, like the Warriors and whether we like them or not, I'm kind of the same. I had, you know, we all had that deep hatred for the Warriors when they were beating the Cavs over and over again. Right now, though, I don't hold much against Steph Curry. Um, I honestly think he's one of the more entertaining players in the entire NBA. And like I mentioned on last week's show, it's mostly Draymond Green. That's the guy I kind of throw at the Warriors and be like, yeah, that's the guy I can't stand. See, I kind of like Draymond now. Uh, I can't oh, stand. No, I no, no. When we, when we were in the finals, I despised him. But, like, when the Cavs stunk and, like, Draymond was just going on the media and I'm like, okay, Draymond, Draymond's kind of funny. Like, Draymond, like, Draymond's funny now. Like, he's, he's had a complete flip-flop in my eyes. I can't stand him. I can't stand him. And I couldn't stand his comment about my Miami Heat, which we will also get into as we get into the Eastern Conference side of the playoffs tonight, obviously, game seven between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. But let's go back a little bit because, honestly, even as a Heat fan, this has been one of the most difficult conference finals to watch on both ends, west and east. But I'm just not a blowout guy, whether it's my team blowing somebody else out or my team getting blown out. But we'll start off with game four. Boston blew out Miami 102-82. to What did you guys make of that game, and what were your thoughts going forward for both teams? I mean, the Heat only scored 11 points in the first quarter of this game. They just did not show up. And I believe the Heat starters only scored 18 combined points, which is the fewest in a playoff game since the NBA merger. Just really did not show up to this game, whereas the Celtics did. Jason Tatum scored 31. 
and the Celtics had 21 more rebounds than the Heat. I'm not a big fan of blowout losses either. It was against Heat, so I can't hate it, but it is what it is, Game 4. That game was miserable to watch. That was awful. I think Jeff said it best in our group chat. Like, in the first quarter, like, Miami Heat, more like Miami cold. I didn't even have much to say that night. I couldn't even combat it. I was getting texts from Jeff. I was getting texts from all my other friends that think I'm crazy for liking the Heat. I just didn't even have a response. You were pretty this, quiet during game four and five. This playoff series. Just didn't have a response. It's brutal to watch. It's just it's it's difficult. Is there a way to fix these blowout losses, do you think? Because I'm kind of getting old of it, too. I'm not a huge NBA fan. I don't really tune into every single playoff game. But when I get these final score notifications and seeing these blowouts, I'm like, why would you even tune in? I think that there's just not much you can do. I don't know how you can fix that. I think that it, there's no, like, rule change you can make. There's no – I don't know what your thoughts are. I just don't think there's much you can do to fix it. I think it all just depends on the game and the lineups that are on the floor. Maybe hear me out. If star players would either either make the playoffs or not lose in the first round, maybe this isn't boring. Maybe if we still have Giannis and KD and LeBron makes it and, like, Kawhi Leonard gets healthy with Paul George, like, you know, maybe it gets interesting. But, hey, what do I know? Potentially. I think if you shorten the regular season, you might get some more um, firepower in the playoffs. And I'm just a big fan of that in general. Maybe even getting that first series down to five games. I've talked about that a lot on these airwaves. Um, I think it could have an influence um, directly or indirectly. But really, I just want to see these playoff games, these games with the most stakes on it right now, be at least competitive. As much as I hate to admit it, Matt, you're right, because I'm not a huge LeBron fan, but I do think it makes a major difference when LeBron James is not playing in the NBA playoffs. Well, Skip Bayless still finds a way to mention him during every commercial break. It's... <laughs> I just think, yeah, I think more star players definitely makes a difference. Obviously, the teams that are left, obviously they earned their way there, but yeah. each team really, other than the Warriors, of course, like mm-hmm. the Mavericks, Luka, that's it. The Heat, as much as I'm a Heat fan, Jimmy, that's really it. And Boston, Jason Tatum. And is Jimmy really a big name? Honestly, I think Jimmy Butler is extremely underrated. I think... I don't think he holds the name to attract fans to watch the game. No, he definitely does not. I think think he's a great player and he's been proving that, but he doesn't have the recognition or the name to really really get fans to be like, oh, I really want to go and watch Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat tonight. Like, Unless you're a huge Heat fan like like me like or anybody that lives in Miami. That's you're, a lie. Have you seen how empty that stadium is? It, no, I, I said that last week. Our fans are ridiculous. It's it's sad to see. They get there late and they leave early. It's it's terrible. And I think it's because people in Miami, they, they just want to party. They just want to party. Yeah. Yes. Good for them. So they go to the Heat game. Oh, it's something to do. And then when they start getting blown out, eh, forget it. Let's just go out. This is boring. Yeah. Continue to recap the Eastern Conference Finals, get into a little bit more NBA action. And then from there, you'll just have to keep listening to see. Stay tuned with us right here on Z88 for more Sports Power Talk. We are back on SPT. Once again, I am your host, Logan Conger. Joining me are my analysts, Matt Permuka. Basketball time, folks. Basketball time. Absolutely. And 
Still with us is evil Mr. Jake Murren. Logan, your takes are as good as your ability to prop the door open. Uh, I, I, did, <laughs> I did mess up the door, but we're going to stick with the NBA and going into game five with the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat, another game that, as a Heat fan, I was quite silent with. What are you guys' thoughts on game five? That game, the score was Boston won 93-80. to Another game that was just hard to watch. It's just hard to watch. Like I, Logan, I know you're a Heat fan, so you have to watch these. I'd be lying to you if I told you I was paying attention to this game. I'd be like, I put on NHL playoffs. I watch NHL playoffs, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much better than what I just had to endure. I struggled to keep so, my eyes on that screen. I am not an NHL fan at all, but I was actually in Columbus with my grandparents for Game 5, and my grandpa is a big NHL fan. And even I, as a Heat fan, looked at him and said, hey, like, I'll watch the NHL with you. <laughs> I, I was so <laughs> uninterested in that basketball game as a Heat fan, and I'm sure as a general NBA fan, like someone like Jake, who's not a fan of either team and not even that big of an NBA fan, I'm sure it was extremely uninteresting for you as well. I didn't turn on the game to start it. I never tuned in at all. 93-80 to is a terrible final score, especially in Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had decent games, but the Heat shot 31.9% in the game and had 10 fewer assists than Boston. Again, he just did not show up to play in Game 5. Very difficult to watch in Game 5. Moving forward into Game 6, very exciting game. Miami went out to a big lead originally, and Boston started to cut it towards the end and then sort of slipped away as the time expired. Final score of Game 6 was 111-103, to and the big storyline of that was Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler had 47 points, which is a playoff career high, and the big stat that ESPN brought to fruition was that Jimmy Butler and Michael Jordan are now the only two players with multiple 40-point games with four steals in NBA playoff history. Huge performance from Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat to force a Game 7. What did you guys make of Game 6? That Jimmy... Oh, my... Go ahead, no. Jake. Okay. It's just, isn't it a reach? Just a little bit of a reach. You don't only have like one of two players, forty points, four steals. The steals part kind of. You can make numbers say whatever you want. You can make numbers say what. I feel like they were like, all right, let's get Michael Jordan, and let's get Jimmy Butler, <laughs> and they, just see where this takes if us. If they wanted to, they could incorporate like Brian Scalabrini into this. Who like, do you think at ESPN's job is to come up with these weird stats? Some lines. some intern that doesn't get paid enough. Yeah. <laughs> or just doesn't get paid at all. <laughs> but no, I, like we've seen these stats even with LeBron James. I'm a big LeBron James guy, but even LeBron James has had stats in the past where it's like, how long did that take to put together this, 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 and this way in this manner? Um, same thing here with Jimmy Butler. You know, 40 points, four steals. It's impressive, but to do it twice in NBA playoffs and then be compared to Michael Jordan, I think it's just a bit much. Okay, yeah, but uh, Jimmy Butler, game six. That is an all-time moment that I will be remembering. That's one of those games where, you know, you can just tell, like, I always think back to, like, game one of the 2018 finals when I watched LeBron, and he basically told the basketball, you're going to go in the net because I say so. And I got the same vibes from Jimmy Butler during that game. Like, absolutely incredible performance that night. Nearly a triple-double, too. Star players in a big-time moment. That's what you want if you're Adam Silver. That that game, if, if 
let's let's say game seven's even competitive. Jimmy Butler may have just saved the NBA playoffs as a whole. Don't inflate Logan's ego. I am smiling here. Please don't. Oh, it's all a part of a plan. Oh, okay. Well, are you going to completely deflate his ego here soon? I can't tell you my plan, Jake. Oh, boy. As I sit here in my Marilyn Monroe Miami Heat shirt, I am super excited about Jimmy Butler's performance in Game 6. I actually texted my friend Joe before the game, and I said, Jimmy Butler is going to have to score at least 40 for Miami to have even a chance in the TD Garden. And I was correct. Jimmy Butler had to score 45 or 47 to win that game. Take Jimmy Butler off the court, Miami gets blown out. So going into Game 7, I don't expect Jimmy Butler to have that crazy of a stat line. I'm really hoping for the Miami Heat's sake that Tyler Hero decides that his groin is fine tonight after missing the past two games. Tyler Hero, sixth man of the year, is a huge part of the Miami Heat offense coming off the bench, and I think it makes a difference, and it takes a little bit off of Jimmy Butler. I do like the emergence of Duncan Robinson the past few games. It's nice to see him finally getting back into his groove, and I do like seeing Victor Oladipo finally getting some play time for the Miami Heat. Victor Oladipo was kind of swept under the rug for a while, in my opinion, by Coach Eric Spolstra, and it's nice to see him on the floor. Do you guys think that Oladipo makes that much of a difference for Miami, or do you think that he would be better off somewhere else at the end of the season? That's a tough question, because when you look at it in the East, you need guys, you need guards like him that are versatile enough to cover wings. And I think Oladipo is a pretty decent defender, and especially like if you look at this Boston series in itself, he can, he, you could put him on Tatum or Brown and not be too worried. So I definitely think if you're Miami, like that'd be a good piece to have. Is it a necessity? I don't know. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he's just one of those inconsistent players on a very inconsistent Miami Heat team. Whether he stays with them or goes somewhere else, I think it'll work out. But I guess I would see him staying with Miami. I hope, as a Miami Heat fan, that he does stick with the Heat. And I think next season, if he does stay with Miami, we have to reevaluate the way that we play him in our system. Because this is a guy that was recently in like the MVP conversation when he was with the Pacers. He was a breakout player. Then he got hurt, and it seemed to go down from there. But I would like to see Jimmy Butler stay with the Miami... I mean, excuse me, Victor Oladipo stay with the Miami Heat and continue to be a big part of our offense. But Jake, Eric Spolstra is the coach of the year, right? Or Eric, should have been the coach of the yes, year. Yes, definitely. Even though he's misusing a talent everybody such makes, as Victor. Everybody Oladipo. makes mistakes. Eh, coach of the year, though? Yeah, coach yeah. of the year. Over Monty Williams? Yes. Best record in the, 100%. East, in the West? Especially after the playoff performance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over Monty Williams, yes. Thank you. Well, playoffs don't matter when it comes to those what? awards. The playoffs yes, aren't. Do. The playoffs, it's a regular season award. Yeah, the playoffs aren't in consideration when it comes to those like, awards. They're already given out. Okay, so if playoffs don't matter, the Miami Heat were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Okay, you're talking about the East. The Suns had the best record in the entire NBA. Okay. Logan, I just tried to validate your argument. Yeah. Just, you're, you're fighting against yourself here. Just take the compliment. But no, I mean, it is a regular season award. The postseason has no consideration in those awards. Okay. All right, Jake. I mean, it's, it's a fact, but. Okay. Let's play a little, um, you say if I'm right or not, okay? Okay. Let's do this, all right? So, let's do a little Game 7 preview, okay? Okay. Going on? Ooh. Go for it. The Heat are 1-2 at home in the FTX Arena this okay. series. True? True. All right. They have not won consecutive games in this series. True. All right. So the Heat have been inconsistent 
all series long. True. All right. That leads me to a conclusion that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can lead the Celtics to a road victory on their way to losing the finals against the Warriors. They can, but they will not. <laughs> and here's why. I do think that Tyler Hero will come back tonight. Makes a big difference. Jimmy Butler, coming off of that game, is going to be hungry. Jimmy Butler is remembering in the back of his head how he felt losing the finals to LeBron James and the Lakers. And I know he doesn't want to feel that pain, especially earlier than the finals when he's this close in a Game 7. And I do think that being at home, although despite I do agree with Matt, our fans are a little bit ridiculous I think it makes a difference. If you were able to go into the Boston Garden and do that, you can definitely do it on your home floor. You just have to get over the hump of the fact that it's Game 7. You need to use that to your advantage and win the game. That's I do see the Miami Heat coming away tonight. Yeah. This is all emotion-based. You're really, no, it's not. No, you're yeah. really trying to talk yourself into this. You're really trying. Oh, I cannot trying. wait until tonight. When Dude, the Heat win. You are doing, like, the Simone Biles of mental gymnastics right now. Like, <laughs> I should give you a gold medal for mental gymnastics with this. I can't wait. I can't wait to send all of you a text the, message the that says, I told you so. The headlines before game six were, was like, Kyle Lowry was literally limping off Listen, the bus on his way. I don't way. think Kyle Lowry makes that much of a difference. He had 18 and 10 in game he six. He had a good game, but I think that. Kyle Lowry is not a difference-making player. Then why should I expect you guys to even win the finals if he's not a difference-making? Because we have players behind him that make more of a difference than him. Oladipo makes up the slack for what Tyler Hero, I mean, for what Kyle Lowry doesn't have. Tyler Hero picks up the slack for Kyle Lowry. Did Kyle Lowry not have a bounce-back game six, though? He did. But (laughs) what has he done the rest of the series? As I will... Gotten hurt. I mean, switching to your point, the Heat are inconsistent, and Kyle Lowry is one of the most inconsistent players on our team. Right, right or wrong? No, I mean you're right, but I like I said, the Heat themselves have been very inconsistent this entire series. Definitely. So I 100 percent agree with you. But I don't know. I feel like you're the mental gymnastics, like you said, Matt. It's just all based on emotion. They're one and two at home, haven't won consecutive games. They're very inconsistent. Heat are not going to win Game Seven. I saw like Jason Tatum's got to live up to the Marcus's uh, Marcus Dub. Yeah. Jason Tatum has to live up to the baby Kobe allegations that were given to him by Marcus. That was a disgusting allegation by Marcus. Yeah, we need, but if they... Marcus, you, I'm, I'm backing you here. I'm picking Boston tonight because I need these baby Kobe things to come true. I believed you when you said it. Heat I culture. You. Heat culture. The culture is going to win the game. The culture is going to take over. Guys like Udonis Haslam cult- make a difference. Udonis Haslam. Not on the floor. There's guys on the bench like Udonis Haslam that have been there and can motivate Kyle for a game Lowry. seven. Kyle Lowry is the only champion on your roster. Udonis Haslam is a three-time champion. Oh, sorry. He's you have a he's a dinosaur. Udonis Haslam. He's a coach a, essentially, but he's a guy. So the that coach has of been the year there. needs a player that's also coaching. No, he's not <laughs> physically no. coaching. He is a. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Jay. Man, I, I, I don't hate, like being I on just, this side of this argument. I see what I do to you now. This is with kind Baker, of, this is kind of Nobody hurtful. in WZIP Sports left is a Baker fan other than me. This is how I feel when I debate about Baker. But, no, like, just I just hate your Eric Spolstra Coach of the Year debate because it makes no sense at all. Jake, this is another disagreement that we can chalk up to. But as I bring up Udonis Haslam, Udonis Haslam – was caught post-game making a comment to a reporter. He ran, went out of his way to run up to the reporter saying thank you to Draymond Green. He said, tell Draymond I said thank you. 
And he was referring to Draymond Green's comment that they were playing Boston. Didn't even give the Miami Heat a chance. Do you think that Draymond Green's comments were passed around the Heat locker room, and do you think they had any difference in the mindset of the Miami Heat? I mean, sure, any any negativity, any haters is just going to be fuel. I mean, regardless of who that is, in this case, it's Draymond Green. Um, Haslam also said that Draymond broke the code, and he called his comments disrespectful, and he knows better than that. Personally, I don't think it was necessarily disrespectful. I think Draymond Green was more or less just giving out his prediction of who the Warriors were going to play in the finals. He thought it was Boston. I think Haslam and maybe some other Heat players took that a bit too personally, but who knows, I guess it it served as some kind of fuel going into Game 6. Is Draymond wrong, though? I don't think yes. he's wrong. Draymond, no, he Draymond's in the right here. Think about it this way. After Game 5, you guys got smoked. All of your players are pretty much, like, they are all, are all limping. Like, Jimmy Butler, Lowry, Hero, they're all on the injury report. I'll fully admit to you I thought we were done. I really but, did. Yeah, so this is where the mental gymnastics you're doing with yourself comes in because you prepared yourself to be hurt, but now that you're not hurt, you're trying to prolong it. The title of today's episode, Logan's Mental Gymnastics. He's a gold medalist. I cannot yeah. wait for tonight. I really seriously <laughs> cannot wait. It's going to be amazing. The thing is, Logan, I can't wait either because you're you're just not going to win tonight. Yes, know, we like, are. Do you know like how like outlandish you have to be to get me to root for a Boston team? Oh, no, I can't stand it either. This then is, root for the Heat. Come to the good side. Come to the good honestly, side. Honestly, no. there's no winners in this NBA Finals. I don't want the Warriors to win another title, but I think they are. I don't want the Heat to win it because of you, and I don't <laughs> want the Celtics to win it because it's Boston. So I'm I'm losing any way this goes down, but I think the Celtics are going to win, and then going up against the Warriors, I think the Warriors are going to win. So for Game 7, we've talked a lot about it. What is your score prediction do you think it'll be another conference final blowout do you think it'll be close and i know who you guys are picking to win but reiterate your pick to win and why so score prediction off the top of my head i don't think it's going to be a blowout because there's too much at stake it's game seven both teams are going to give it their all i'll say 115 to 107 let's go with that okay and boston winning of course because they are joke two words Baby Kobe. Give me Boston 118 to 93. Ooh. Oh. So you're picking a blowout. Yeah. Am I am I wrong? Yes. There's been one there's been one competitive game this series, and it took Jimmy Butler to go super immortal god mode. I'm picking the Miami Heat. Shocker. <laughs> but I'm picking them in a close game. As I do think Jason Tatum will show up tonight. Jalen Brown will definitely show up tonight. And I think in order for the Heat to win, somebody other than Jimmy Butler has to show up. Bam Adebayo cannot be silent as he has been in this series. Very inconsistent play from him. I think the Miami Heat take this one 117 to 106. And I think think Jason Tatum scores 40. And I think Jimmy Butler gets 30. You have a guy scoring 40 and the team only hits 106? Yes. And that team loses? Yes. You, the, I, just give him the gold medal right here, folks. Mental gymnastics gold medal. You guys will see. Logan Congro. You guys will see. It's going to be a very interesting game tonight. So hypothetically, moving into the NBA Finals, say the NBA Finals is the Miami Heat versus the Golden State Warriors to start off. How do you see that series going? Game, Not necessarily game by game breakdown, but 
What would you say you see coming out of that series if the Miami Heat were to come away tonight? You're really going to love this. Bring out the brooms. Bring out the brooms. If Golden State plays the Miami Heat, bring them out. Golden, Golden State's going into this on week's rest. Miami's team's practically limping to the finish line, like quite literally. Have you, like their injury reports. It's not even the finish line either. Oh. It's the Eastern Conference Finals, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Miami's basically trying to just limp there. Golden State's rested up. Golden State's got the finals experiences. They've got the hardware. I, It's not going to be close. It's not going to be close. Bring out the brooms if we get a Miami Golden State Finals. I have a little bit more respect for Miami, just a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean one more game. Golden State Warriors in five. All right. I would take the Miami Heat Shocker in six. In six? Wow. Get out of here. In six games. I think, like I said in the previous segment, I think Jimmy Butler is going to remember how he felt losing to the Lakers, even though it was in the bubble. And I think that that whole... As well as the NBA put it on, I just don't think that that playoffs really counted. Even as a Heat fan, I don't really consider that to be like a finals appearance. But I think he's going to remember how he felt. We've all seen the picture of him gassed at the scores table at the end of the game. And I think the Miami Heat will win in six against the Golden State Warriors. Because I think the Golden State Warriors just have a little bit too much of an ego. I think they know that they are the team with the hardware. They know they are the team that has been there. And... They, they have some guys that are inexperienced. They have guys like Wiggins, Kaminga. There's a couple guys that have never been there, and you don't know how they're going to perform on that stage. Although I do think Andrew Wiggins will perform well as he is an NBA All-Star. But I think the Miami Heat don't have any other players on their team, with the exception of a few. Most of their players were on that 2020 roster and remember how they felt, and that's why I'm picking the Miami Heat in six due to the ego of the Golden State Warriors. Okay, so question for you. Okay. Jimmy Butler's going to remember the pain of the f- bubble finals, mm-hmm. but you don't count that as a finals appearance. No. I think okay. I... So he's going to remember something that's illegitimate, got it, and Golden State's not going to remember 2016 and 2019. I'm just I'm just making sure I heard you right. Golden State's going to have the ego. They're not going to remember Golden their- State had the best record of all time. Well, I know they lost to the Cavs, but... They had the best record of all time. They have multiple championships, whether it was with Kevin Durant or not, which I think the Warriors right now are proving that Kevin Durant was not as valuable to that team as we all thought. Of course, Kevin Durant is a superstar player. We're talking the Heat. Where's KD come up in this? I'm just I'm making an example about the Golden State Warriors. I think that Kevin Durant was not as valuable to that Warriors team as we all think because Andrew Wiggins is filling that role quite well. You got to admit it. He's an NBA. He's a superstar. Don't change I mean, the subject. Durant, no, he's no. He's mentally gymnastic. Yeah. Us. Don't let him. Do no, this. I mean Durant joined the Warriors and then they won two finals. Right. Like, and they still he, look course, just as good without Kevin Durant. I mean, years later. What's yeah. your argument here? <laughs> My and argument. I'll is, give you this. I'll give you this one thing. Right. So if you're talking about the Warriors' ego leading to their own destruction. In 2016, they went 73-9, and had the best record, had the biggest ego going into the final, lost. had a 3-1 lead, inflated their ego even more, and lost. I'll give you that point, but that's the only point I'm going to give you here. They have an ego because they are the most dominant team in the NBA right now, and like Matt said, whatever team, if it is the Heat, whatever team gets into the finals, they think this is the finish line, 
Wait until he gets to the Warriors. It's not going to be good. Okay. Well, I'm going to pick the Heat in six, but moving forward, <laughs> no. if the Boston Celtics by some chance upset the Miami Heat tonight oh, boy. at home and the NBA Finals becomes the Boston Celtics versus the Golden State Warriors, what are your predictions for that series? I said this on my first show, so I got to stick with it. I predicted a Boston-Golden State Finals. Boston in seven. Boston okay. in seven. Wow. Bold prediction. The finals is not going to be entertaining. It's going to look a lot like the Western Conference Finals, regardless of who they play. We talked about the Heat. Now we're talking about the Celtics. I still have the Warriors winning in five games in a very non-entertaining finals. I would also pick the Warriors in five games against Boston. Maybe six, honestly, because I think Jason Tatum is a very good player and can probably carry them a little further. But I think if it is Boston versus the Warriors, I just think it it's going to be unentertaining. And I, for that matter, I think unless, as a Heat fan, unless the Heat win, I think even that series is going to be unentertaining. I think no matter who is in this finals, Matt, I will give you the point that the Warriors are coming off a week's rest, which makes a huge difference. And I think that it's probably going to be multiple blowouts, whether it's Boston blowing them out or the Warriors blowing the Celtics out. I do see the Warriors coming away in five or six games in that series. You're projecting your fears as a Heat, Golden State. Like, as if the Heat were in the finals, you're projecting your fears for the Heat onto the Celtics. More mental gymnastics. Just got to support your team, man. Oh, they're supporting your team, and then there's like, doing this like I, like I will give you that though Logan you are riding with them very hard and I do respect that but at the same time you also need to be a little bit more rational Jake this is and, how you uh, sound with Baker Mayfield this is how this yes. is how no, you no, no, sound no. with that which no, I'm willing to now admit. being on the other no. side of this Jake I apologize because this is difficult this is hard to I'm, be in this okay. spot of course I support Baker Mayfield but I'm willing to admit that he isn't the best quarterback do I think his ceiling is top 10 in the NFL? Yes. Am I adamant about that? Yes. But do I know that we upgraded in quarterback over the offseason? Yes. And I'm willing to admit that. I'm not all starry-eyed about Baker Mayfield going towards the future. But with you in the heat, you are just you can't think about anything other than the heat winning game seven and then moving on to the finals and beating the Warriors in what you said, six games? No, it's not going to happen. I still don't get how you can say heat and six with a straight face. Right, you're not even like considering the fact that the Warriors are No, because I ride with my team. And that's fair, and I appreciate you riding with your team, but at the same time, you got to be a little bit more rational. He rides with six. Boom. Ew, I don't like that. I really didn't like that. I love it. I really didn't like that. But as we're on the topic, as we close out projecting the NBA Finals. While we're on the topic of basketball, Russell Westbrook, this is going to be our Around the Rue question. Around the Rue, we do this every week, and we encourage you to go to our Twitter and vote on it's WZIP Sports. This week's question is going to be, where will Russell Westbrook be playing next season? A report came out that Russell Westbrook is interested in requesting a trade away from the Los Angeles Lakers with teams like the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks in the mix. So it appears that Russell Westbrook does want to go to a contender. The poll will be up on our Twitter immediately following the show. But before that, let's get our analyst thoughts. Guys, where do you think Russell Westbrook will be playing next season? I want to see Russell Westbrook in South Beach just, just so you can have to deal with that. 
You want him in South Beach. I do so, want him in yeah, South see? Beach, and I'll get to that. What? So. See? Yeah. Something else this guy has. I will explain why, but I'll let you guys give your takes first. Has Russell Westbrook on a contender ever worked? Like, could, ever? You, no. You could argue the early days of OKC that it was yeah. working. It was working it was with working. him and KD. It didn't they went work to the finals. Out. They went to the finals, and they should, have go- they should have gone to a second one. You know who they lost to? The Warriors. The Miami Heat. Oh, in the finals. I thought we were talking about the second time. Yeah, they did bust. They they did lose to yeah. Golden State in the I was on, Conference. I was on your wavelength yeah. there, Matt. Yeah. But no, where's he, where he's going, uh, another bold prediction here. The biggest objective for the Lakers' new head coach, Darvin Ham, was to incorporate Russell Westbrook into the team with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I actually have Russell Westbrook playing for the L.A. Lakers next season. Mm. So, Jake... As much as I would like to see Russell Westbrook in South Beach, I don't think that he ends up officially requesting that trade. And I do think that the Darvin Ham hiring makes a big difference for Russell Westbrook's future. I do think he stays in L.A. However, if he were to make the trade request, I do see him potentially going to the Miami Heat. And here's why I like that. I think Russell Westbrook succeeds on teams with younger players as opposed to guys like... Obviously, everybody succeeds with LeBron James. Not Apparently not this guy this season, but... I think if you traded Russell Westbrook to the Miami Heat, I would be okay with giving up a guy like Kyle Lowry, who the Lakers were originally interested in anyway. I would be okay with sending Kyle Lowry and some other stuff for Russell Westbrook, bringing him, pairing him with Jimmy Butler, which was a talk for a while as well. I just I see that working out, but I also I'm going to second Jake's pick that he stays in Los Angeles, and this will be up on our Twitter page once again at WZIP Sports. Immediately following the show, make sure you go and vote. We're going to head into our next break. Stick with us as we get into our MLB segment, which I know is Jake's favorite segment of the show. We will be giving, once again, our player of the week. Each analyst has the opportunity to name their one player of the week. A little bit of MLB drama as well as Guardians recaps and our five favorite Guardians players from each analyst. Stick with us right here on Z88 Sports Power Talk. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk for the final 30 minutes of our show. Once again, I am your host, Logan Congrove, and joining me is Matt Permuka. How are we doing, folks? And Jake Mern. I won't call him evil this time as we're coming to a close, but Mr. Jake Mern. Logan, you don't even know how NBA awards work, so that's okay. It's okay. Uh, way to quote Kyle Molinelli there and steal his, yeah, yeah. steal his text message thinking you were slick there. I mean, you, you don't. It doesn't change the fact that you don't. It's okay. And I'm glad that the NBA segment is over because I'm feeling a little Me hurt. Me too. It's baseball feeling, time. I'm feeling a little hurt. Yes, it is baseball time here on SPT. Jake Murren's favorite segment and a lot of people's favorite segment for that matter. We're going to be starting off with Cy Young contenders for the AL and the NL, I have asked my analysts to each pick three contenders for each division. I'll start with you, Jake, as this is your favorite segment of the show. Who are your contenders for the AL and NL segment, Cy Young, and why? Sure. So I'll start with the AL. Do you want me to go one through three or three through one? Three through one. Three through one. All right. So your top one last. Yeah. Number three, I have Shane McClanahan out of the Rays. 52.1 innings pitched so far this season. He has a 4-2 and two record, 2.06 ERA, which isn't bad at all, and a league-leading 74 strikeouts. 
been a great player this season and an unexpected player this season as well. Number two, I have Justin Verlander, four-time AL Cy Young winner at 39 years old. He hasn't missed a step so far this season. 72.2 innings pitched. He's 6-2, and two, has a 2.03 ERA with 55 Ks. The only reason I put him in front of McClanahan is because he has a better record and a slightly lower ERA. Sure, his strikeout numbers could be higher, but he's still pitching great for the Astros. And then number one, big shocker this year, Nestor Cortez from the Yankees. Nobody expected him to be this good, but he has been. 53 innings pitched, 4-1 and one record, a an extremely low ERA at 1.70. Strikeout numbers aren't too bad either at 61. I think Nestor Cortez is a clear AL Cy Young favorite right now. Verlander and McClanahan, if they stay doing what they're doing, might be able to catch Cortez. But who knows? Maybe Nestor Cortez goes down. We'll see what happens. Is it my turn? It is your turn, yeah, Matt. It is my turn. Give your right. AL guess. We're going third on my list. The casual baseball observer in me has to go with Shohei Otani in the L.A. Angels. Interesting. Mm. I got to put Shohei on there, man. I love him. I love him. It's like with as much limited baseball knowledge as I have, I watch Shohei Otani. At number two, north of the border, please correct me if I say this last man's name wrong, this man's last name wrong, Kevin Gaussman. Is that I, how you say it? I say more like Gaussman. Gaussman? But Gaussman? I haven't okay. necessarily heard it from... Like an MLB analyst? It, so. se- it seems like German spelling, so that's why I said Gaussman. But hey, out of Toronto, second, Vegas seems to like him. He's given the Guardians some trouble this year. So he's second on my list. And at number one, Jake, he was your number two guy. He's my number one guy, Justin Verlander. He's got four Cy Youngs already. He's got Kate Upton with a ring on her finger. He can win one more thing in his life. <laughs> he should win the Cy Young. He, <laughs> he should win the Cy Young. No, he, he pre-wins. He gets my Cy Young. Hey, man, that's a pretty big win. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Otani number three, though. 3.45 ERA so far for the reigning AL MVP. We'll see the what ML- happens. Later. The MLB has to market players. People know Justin Verlander. People know Shohei Otani, but you need to give Shohei Otani accolades so you can market him. He already has the accolade of MVP last year, and I would almost argue the opposite because if you're giving an award to somebody who doesn't have the name, you're elevating that player going forward. So you give an AL Cy Young to a guy like Nestor Cortez, he becomes a bigger name in the MLB because of that. Otani's on the cover of the show, too. That's a whole other accolade itself. Fair enough, fair enough. All right. I am also limited in my baseball knowledge, but I am a casual baseball fan. Number three for me, Nestor Cortez. I think number that three. Number three. Okay. I think that he has a very bright future, and as you said, Jake, nobody expected him to be this good, but he is playing quite well. Number two for the AL for me, also from the New York Yankees, Clay Holmes. And here is why. Relief pitcher. Interesting. Yes. Ooh. I think that he is so valuable to the Yankees right now, and I don't. I think that would help justify that to win a Cy Young, you don't necessarily have to be a start starting pitcher. I think Cy Young should be defined as if you are a. I don't want to say the word good. That sounds boring, yeah, yeah. but you get what I'm getting yeah. at. If you are a good pitcher, it doesn't matter what pitcher you are. That should be the definition of the Cy Young. And number one, I'm also going to agree with Matt. 
Justin Verlander is my AL pick. Playing lights out, has Kate Upton with a ring on her finger, as Matt said. <laughs> and I think that he is already such a big name. And I would agree with Matt that you want to give those type of guys more accolades to continue to elevate them and their brand. I don't know. I've got one question before we like go to the NL here. When was the last time a non-starter won the Cy Young in any conference? Hmm. I'm going to look that up now that yeah, you said that. I'm actually not sure. Uh, I mean, I, I was looking at Jay because he's the ba- he's the token baseball fan here. For as long as I've known, it's always been a starting pitcher. Um, there could have been a relief pitcher mixed in. Um, I know uh, Zach Britton might have gotten one with the Orioles. He had okay. a great year. Um, but no, I don't. I don't know. Usually it goes to a starting pitcher. That's why I have three starting pitchers for my AL and even three starting pitchers for my NL list as well. But with Nestor Cortez, he has 4.2 less innings pitched than Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. He has two less loss or two less wins than Verlander, but one less loss. And he has six more Ks with a much better ERA. So that's why I put Nestor Cortez at the top of my list. I think it's kind of weird that Cortez is number three on your list uh, there, Logan, but... I can see it going to Verlander, but really, Cortez has been surprising this year for the Yankees, so I have him coming in at number one for the AL. Have you found anything in your extensive Google uh, Google search yet? I'm currently looking at a list of nine pitchers who have won the Cy Young that were not starters, and Jake was correct. The most recent one to win one was Zach Britton of the Orioles. What year was that? That year was... Give me a second. I'll take your time. 2016. Oh, yeah, that was pretty recent. Okay. Yes. Okay. 2016 was the most recent, and it doesn't appear that there were any really before that as of, like, the last 10 years. It was 10, 20 years of guys like that. But it would be pretty monumental for another relief pitcher to win, but I do see Justin Berlander winning that one. So I'm actually pulling up the opposite here. It says 2016 Zach Britton was actually not a Cy Young finalist, even though he was the most dominant pitcher, and that actually only four relief pitchers have won a Cy Young award in the past 35 years, the last coming in 2003 when Eric Gagne, hopefully, hopefully I'm From pronouncing the that last one right, the captured Dodgers. the honor. Um, I believe so, but yeah, not since 2003, so a very rare um, award there to be given to a relief pitcher, but I guess if they are dominant enough, that it could still happen. Look at that, Logan. You made a really bold take, and you didn't even know it. Yeah. I think Zach Britton should have been considered with that. with how he was in 2016, but I Definitely. guess he did not did not prevail. Moving on to the NL. Jake, I'll start with you once again. Who are your top three for your Cy Young predictions? Yeah, so starting at number three again here, I have Sandy Alcantara from the Miami Marlins. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that last name right. 67.2 innings pitched, a 5-2 and two record, a 2.0 ERA with 63 Ks. And yesterday in his start, he went eight innings, only gave up four hits and one earned run, didn't give up a single walk with 14 strikeouts and got the win. Sandy should probably be higher on my list, but number three, a great pitcher out of Miami who has a great pitching staff with Pablo Lopez as well. Number two, I have Joe Musgrove here from the Padres. 58 innings pitched, a fabulous record at 5-0. and That's kind of why I put him in front of Sandy here with a 1.86 ERA, extremely low ERA right there with 58 Ks. And the number one, I have the guy I predicted to win the NL Cy Young before the season started. I have Walker Bueller 
from the Dodgers. 52.2 innings pitched, 6-1 and one record. His ERA is a little high at 2.91. He has 42 Ks. I just think if there is a season to give Walker Bueller a Cy Young, it's going to be this year. His ERA is a little high. I think he can get that low, and his record makes up for it at 6-1. and one. Jake, my third guy is the teammate of your third guy, both on the Marlins. But Pablo? I'm, going, I'm going Pablo Lopez. Interesting. Okay. I'm going Pablo Lopez. See, like when I was planning, like uh, picking these guys, I'm think I'm trying to translate this to like September, October. Like, what's this going to look like at the end of the season in Matt Permuka's eyes? Not necessarily how's it looking now. And so that would make sense. Why I have Carlos Rodon from the San Francisco Giants at Ooh. second. Ooh. He's had a really rough season, though. He's been he's he's been all over the place, but he can. I I think July he can June July August he can pick it up. Yeah, he has the stuff to get right. Oh, I, he I agree definitely with you there. does. And then my NL Cy Young favorite from the Milwaukee Bruins, Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns. Really? Yes. The Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers. It's, yes. not, it's the Boston Bruins. That's yeah, a hockey. Yeah, you team. good. You good. That's how much baseball I know, folks. Corbin Burns won last year. I had him at number three, and then I saw Sandy's performance last night, and I had to put him on this list because I thought you guys wouldn't be mentioning Sandy's name, so I had to throw him in there and give him a little bit of a spotlight. But Pablo Lopez, an interesting pick there. Uh, Same team as Sandy, but 2.04 ERA. Sandy has a 2 ERA, and uh, Sandy has more strikeouts and a slightly better record at 5-2 where Pablo has a 4-2 and two record. So I would still put Sandy number number three, but Pablo, he's had a great year too. Fair okay. enough. My top three, I would go number three, Max Scherzer from the New York Mets. Playing pretty well. His team is playing pretty well. Injured right now, though. Injured right now, You're yes. You're just trying to give all the Cy Youngs to New York. Like, what's the deal here? <laughs> it's just where the pitchers are, man. Oh. And the Dodgers have a lot. Or, never mind. Keep on going. Number three. I mean, number two, excuse me, I would go Tony Gonsolin from the Dodgers. Yeah. See, that's what I was mentioning. Like, the Dodgers have a ton of great pitchers. Yes. So, not surprising there. And number one, I would agree with Jake Walker Bueller. This is the year to give him a Cy Young. Those would be my top three for the NL. And it's a tight race, too. Like, I don't feel confident. Well, I feel kind of confident about Nestor Cortez for the AL. But, like, you get past that, I don't really feel confident in any of these because you never know. Um, how the people voting on the Cy Young Awards are going to feel, and there's just so many good pitchers right now. Oh, it's a complete wild card. Like I it was, really I was, is. I was looking at like just like Vegas odds this morning. Like if you look at the start of the season, like Shane Bieber was the odds-on favorite, and like right now he's back at like 15th. Like there's just yeah. so like there's so much scattering with yeah. Uh, I don't with think AL Cy Young. I don't think Shane Bieber cracks the top 10 for AL Cy Young right now. But no. you know we're still in late May. The season has a lot to go through and. You know, Nestor Cortez, Justin Verlander, Shane McClanahan is my AL list right now. Those three men could not even be in my top three come the end of the season. So we'll see what happens. Baseball is extremely unpredictable with that stuff. It's a long season. So we'll see. You're definitely right. Moving away from the Cy Young, we're going to be sticking with baseball. A little bit of drama in the MLB this week between Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham. And Tommy Pham has recently been suspended for three games due to this spat. Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson in a batting practice for apparently a fantasy football dispute. Jake, I know that this is something you wanted to talk about. What are your thoughts on this little spat between Jack Peterson and Tommy Pham? I mean, baseball and football collide in one of the weirdest ways possible. 
probably the biggest drama of the MLB season so far. And you said he slapped Peterson. If you see the video, it's one heck of a slap. I mean, like Will Smith, oh, Will Smith, worse, type worse. Oh. It, I've seen the video. Like, it was completely slap is kind of an understatement. Completely cracked him on the head. He, thank goodness he wasn't close fisted. Uh, but no, in reality, you know, Peterson sent a gif mocking the Padre members in the group chat last season when Tommy Pham was a Padre for the team's bad play. And apparently Pham took it personally and not in the greatest light, even though it was just a joke. And seeing the gif because Peterson brought out his receipts, it was only weightlifters with one dropping the ball on themselves with a Padres logo behind it. So it was like the Dodgers, the Padres, and I think the Giants. And the Padres guy was struggling the most and the weight ball dropped on himself. It's pretty funny. I don't know why anybody would take that personally, but apparently there was a lot of money on the line. Um, Peterson said it was a lot. Tommy Pham said there was too much money on the line and that Peterson was messing with his money, even called himself a, quote, high roller and a big dog in Vegas. So I guess Pham, with the gif, didn't find it funny, lost a lot of money, and we get this crazy drama between the Giants and Reds. Now, have have the Giants and Reds have they played like have they played each other yet, or is this their first series? Uh, um, I would I would imagine it would be their first series okay, if that, it's only like, breaking out now. Like, that makes sense to me. Like, if this is their second series, why would it be happen like happening now? But I thought like, and apparently like, correct me if I'm wrong here. I thought that the meme in the group chat was because they were playing each other towards the end of the season. One of their players was on like was was listed as out so he, uh i forget yeah who put, i forget who put who in the injured reserve i have it right first. here for you um peterson put an injured player on the reserve for being out he added another player and there was a group message where he was accused of cheating for hoarding players that's what it was it's just don't be bad at fantasy football he was it's playing by and this it's is the simple. first time San Francisco and the Reds have played this okay. season. You're okay. right about Thank that. Thank you for the, yeah. Because if if that if this was their like second or third meeting, I'd be completely baffled, even more than I already am. But just a uh, moral of the story here, folks: Don't enter a fantasy league if you're going to be that bad. It's not that hard. Apparently, this league had like a five-digit buy-in. Yeah, that's... like this is like it's like when they say like high roller, it's because like. Or some high rollers. But does it warrant Tommy Pham going out there and doing what he did? I think it's kind of funny, but not you, not right nonetheless. You, you ever lost in fantasy football? You can get pretty mad. I mean, I've, I've lost in fantasy football. I more so own it, but... Fair enough, fair enough. I don't know. Maybe I'm just the bigger man. Maybe Tommy Pham just needs to be a more of a man. I don't know. Oh. Definitely one of the weirdest occurrences in baseball in a while. As I said, I'm not the biggest baseball fan in the world, but... When I saw this, it definitely piqued my interest and talked with you guys about it. Interesting. I don't think that it was warranted by Tommy Pham. But he got a three-game suspension, so I'm sure it won't it won't happen again. Which we'll is only going to hurt his money that he claims <laughs> he apparently loves to the point where he would do this. So. Right. Now, real question is, are they doing the league again this year? <laughs> <laughs> are they do like, when they, like, show up for the fantasy draft, like, that... Mm. Awkward. That's going to be awkward. Yeah. You think they do an in-person draft? Well, it, it, well, see, here's the thing. Since it'd be like in August and they'd be in season, I doubt it. But, like, that'd be pretty funny if they had to, like, sit around a table and... Like, no. they, like they both bring chips. <laughs> like, they both bring the same thing. Tommy Pham would be the guy that would want to raise the buy-in 
only to be terrible at fantasy football what again. If, what if it was a snake draft and they drew like picks right next to each other? <laughs> so like every pick. Just see Tommy Pham cheating. Just yeah. make this no, so one pick. <laughs> He just like sit, like blatantly stares over at the other guy's sheet. Like he wants this guy, so I'm gonna take like oh just complete pettiness. I love it. It's just hysterical fantasy football having a place in the MLB. Well, I mean, they need to make headlines somehow because baseball itself won't do that. Yeah. Had to take a little jab there. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand it, but at the same time, baseball's fun. At least right now it is. Speaking of fun, this is a new segment that we started on Sports Power Talk just last week. It is our Player of the Week segment created by our own Jake Murn. Yes, sir. Where each week, each analyst names one MLB player. It could be for any reason, for emotional reasons, for a play on the field, any reason at all that that analyst thinks they are the Player of the Week. And that is what we're going to get into now. I will start with you, Jake, since it is your segment that you created. Yes, sir. Who did you pick for your Player of the Week this week? So last week, I went out on a limb and picked Adley Rutschman from the Orioles for being called up. Unfortunately, Logan, you stole my notes, and you also picked Adley there. And I picked Adley because I thought nobody else would. And instead, I should have picked Trevor Story because last week he was insane, or two weeks ago he was insane, went four for four two Thursdays ago with a single and three home runs before hitting a grand slam the next night. I almost went with Story again because in his last 15 games, he's batting two seventy three with 15 hits, eight home runs, and 23 RBIs. He's still playing insane right now, but his batting average total right now is only 229 with nine home runs and 37 RBIs. So he's gotten hot recently. Just his season-long performance doesn't do it for me for the Player of the Week segment this week. This week, instead, I'm going to give it to a St. Louis Cardinal. I have it going to Paul Goldschmidt. Goldie, this season, he's batting 355 with 10 home runs and 40 RBIs. And in his last seven games, there's a player of the week segment. In his last seven games, he's batting 483 with 14 hits, wow. four home runs, and 13 RBIs. Just got a big buff in MLB The Show 22. And that 483 batting average in his last seven games, the clear player of the week for me. Well, I'm going to go comp- Way more emotionally based. That's totally fine. He's the man on my T-shirt. You guys can't see me because this is a radio (laughs) show. Jose Ramirez. In his last seven games, he's caught fire. 14 RBIs, and he's hitting 385 in his last seven. He hit five five of those RBIs were yesterday against Detroit, and I saw uh, some... Some stat on Twitter, I don't know how viable this is, but he's on pace for a 185 RBI season. Wow. Give that man the MVP, and I'll give him my player of the week every time I'm on. Make it easy on myself. Great pick, Matt. I do like that pick. I like J-Ram, and we'll get into our favorite Cleveland Indians here shortly. My pick for player of the week is performance-based, and Jay, correct me if I pronounce this wrong. I'm picking Sandy Alcantara from the Marns. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, that was my third NL Cy Young. I think it's Alcantara. It might have more of like a a Spanish pronunciation, but let's just roll with Alcantara. I'm going with Alcantara because he has given up three ER over his last four starts, which is very impressive, and that's only an eight innings pitched. So good for Sandy Alcantara. That's my pick for player of the week. Moving into a segment that I know that Jake is very excited about. Oh, yes. 
our top five Cleveland Guardians players as of right now for each analyst. I will start with you, Jake, because I know you're curious to hear what ours are as well. Yeah, so I know we like to start lists from the bottom to the top here, but I think with the top five Guardians players, it makes more sense to go from the top to the bottom just because I think the top is very obvious, whereas the bottom, we might be able to dispute some things. So number one should be on all of our lists, none other than Matt's player of the week, Jose Ramirez, 2-4 and four with five RBIs yesterday against the Tigers. This season, he has a batting average of 297, 24 runs scored, 12 home runs, and a league-leading 48 RBIs. Not only does he lead the league in RBIs, but he's tied for fourth in home runs, tied for first in triples, and he is a legitimate AL MVP contender. Give me J-Ram, number one Guardian player right now. You guys agree with that? Yes. We all agree Jose Ramirez is number one. Duh. All right. Thank you, Matt. (laughs) Number two, I have Shane Bieber. Not... He hasn't had the greatest season this year. He's 2-3 and three with a 3.19 ERA, 51 strikeouts, and 53.2 innings pitched in his nine starts this season. Velocity numbers might be down, but Bieber is looking more like himself when he won the AL Cy Young winner, or the Cy Young Award in 2020. Uh, yesterday against the Tigers, great performance, eight innings pitched. Gave up eight hits, but only one earned run, so he made the pitches when he had to. Also got five strikeouts, but the eight innings pitched... That's what I really like to see. Also picked up his second win of the season. So I do have Shane Bieber coming in at number two. Number three, my favorite Cleveland Guardian. Everybody should know who that is. It's none none other than Josh Naylor. Batting average of two ninety eight, six home runs, 25 RBIs, and a .893 OPS. He leads the team in batting average and is second in RBIs and home runs. Talk about consistency. Talk about dynamite. Talk about electricity. That is Josh Naylor for the Cleveland Guardians. He comes in at number three. Number four, more consistency here. I have Owen Miller. He's batting 269 with four home runs, 19 RBIs. He leads the team in doubles with 12 and is fourth in RBIs. And he's taken that fourth and fifth uh, batting spot in the lineup pretty well with Framil Reyes not only being hurt but not playing well so far this season. Then number five, I have another starting pitcher, potentially our best starting pitcher this season so far. I have Tristan McKenzie. Thank He's you. three and three. Thank you. Yes. No problem. Tristan McKenzie love. Also on my list. Gives Tristan McKenzie some love here. He's three and three with a two point seven ERA, thirty seven strikeouts, which is a little bit low, but he has pitched forty three point one innings this season in his eight starts. And if you look at his last start, really impressive. Seven innings pitched, gave up three hits on one earned run, only one walk with with three strikeouts, but it was against the Astros going seven innings, only allowing one run against one of the hottest teams in baseball. Great start there from Tristan McKenzie. He has the lowest ERA and whip among Guardians pitchers and has the lowest batting average against him at 181, which is second in the MLB. So great there from Tristan McKenzie. That rounds out my top five. Guardians players right now. See, Jake's was thoughtful and had solid analysis, but here's mine. At one, <laughs> Jose. At two, Jose. At three, Jose. <laughs> at four, Jose Ramirez. Guess who's at number five? Anyone but Austin Hedges. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Great list there from Matt. Yes. As expected. I'm going to go number one, Jose Ramirez. Number two, Stephen Kwan. Ooh. No. Uh, 
He's I just of, like him. I'm he, thinking emotionally, he, to be no, honest with you. He's regressed to the mean. He definitely is regressed. I'm yeah. thinking emotionally, to be perfectly honest with you. That's fair. Number three, Shane Bieber. Number four, Josh Naylor. Thank and you. number five, Tristan McKenzie. Josh Naylor. Can, like, it be Jose, like Jose, Jose, Josh Maybe <laughs> take him. Technically, Josh Naylor is not named Austin Hedges, so he is in my top five. No, no but, like, Austin because Hedges. my top five is pretty much he, the entire roster yeah, but besides he, Austin Hedges. He can't be grouped in with everybody else. You know, Josh Naylor's not everybody else. Fine, I'll move him to four. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, guys, that's just going to about wrap it up for us here on Sports Power Talk. Thank you again for joining us. Any final thoughts? Yeah, go Browns, go Guardians. Logan, you're a fool. And everyone, and I mean everyone, should tune in to AW Double or Nothing tonight. It's going to be one of the best shows of the year for the best wrestling company today. If you need to be filled in at all, you can always check out last Monday's SBT Overtime, where Alex Henry, Logan Buchanan, and I predicted every match on the card. Plus, rumor has it that a new series is coming to the podcast tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. Matt, any final thoughts? It's Memorial Day weekend, so I want to say thank you to all the veterans, but all the veterans that are in my life. I want to thank my grandfather, Frank, for serving in World War II, my grandfather, John, for serving in the Korean War, and my brother, Joe, who's made several tours to the Middle East during the Iraq War. I love all you guys. Because of you, I can do this, so thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, all veterans, for your service. Shout out to Haley and her roommate, Alex. I was told to say that today, as always. You know, go Heat, Game 7 going to win tonight. Cannot wait to rub that in all of your faces that the Miami Heat are in the NBA Finals after tonight's Game 7. As always, go Zips. Thank you again for joining us. Joining me today was Matt Permuka and Jake Murren. And I am Logan Congrove. Make sure to tune into our podcast as well. SBT Rewind if you missed any of today's show or any of our past shows for that matter. And make sure you check out, as Jake said, SPT Overtime, where we have all kinds of different podcasts up on all major platforms. Once again, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Logan Congrove, and we will see you next time.